Hey, into picklers, welcome to Pickleball Therapy. This is episode 12. In this podcast, we try and help you with pickleball improvements, some strategies, some concepts. At the end of the day, what we're trying to do is help you become the best pickleball player that you can be. Today, we're going to return to our interview with Coach Peter Scales. Last week, we took a little bit of a break from it to interview CJ Johnson about some specific tips that you could do to improve your confidence while you're on the court and and, in terms of your skills and things like that. Today, we're going to return back to our interview with Coach Peter Scales, author of the book, Mental and Emotional Training, Compete, Learn, Honor. My interview with Coach Pete was helpful to me as a player and as a person, as a human being, and I think it'll be helpful for you as well. If you missed the first parts of the interview, Go back to uh, our prior episodes, should be episodes 9 and 10 in our series. Take a look at those, or take a listen to those, I should say, and uh, you know catch up on it because I'm telling you, what Coach Pete has to say is super valuable information. It'll keep you much calmer on the court, much cooler on the court, and frankly, give you a better perspective while you're out on the pickleball court. Today, we're going to continue our interview with Coach Pete. Let's get into it. Every week, players ask Lori or me, about the Into Pickle Academy. They want to know more about our online courses and what they're about. If you're interested in knowing more about the Into Pickle Academy, you can visit intopickle.com and you'll be able to link to a video that explains the Into Pickle Academy. Or better yet, join us for one of our free 30-minute workshops. During the workshop, you'll learn a thing or two and learn about the Academy. See you in class. If you haven't done so yet, I highly recommend you check out Coach Pete's book, Mental and Emotional Training, Compete, learn, honor. You can find it on Amazon. That idea of going from you know negative to neutral uh, before you can go from neutral to positive, hopefully, uh, is uh, is obviously I think it's a really really good advice and something that players can can incorporate into their routines as they play or into their practices too, right? Because they practice it and then use it in game time. I watched a video recently. Uh, uh, C.J. Johnson, a friend of ours that with a better, better pickleball, had uh, Coach Dane on her show and. He, uh, he, the, the phrasing he used was, he said, you know, that, that he said, you know, if you have a bad experience, whatever, the misdink, right. The, 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 the awful misdink where you're a terrible human being all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, his suggestion was, he just said, whatever you say to yourself, you have to end it with now what, and that mm-hmm. it basically triggers your brain to shift from, you know, I'm awful too. Okay. Now I'm a problem solver. What am I going to do? You know, the next, what, what can I do now? And what, what do you think of that kind of, uh, uh, I mean, does that, does that resonate? Does that does it make sense? I mean, it resonated with me. I, I wonder how you, what your reaction is to that. Oh, absolutely. A- absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the things, uh, the habits that I, I use as a chapter title in my book that we, we use in practice is uh, what matters is, is right now, this point. And when I get ready, when I have my players get ready for the next point, the, one of the refocusing cue words is right now. And that, that turns your attention to the plan for the next point. Uh, I think the important thing is if, if, if okay works for you as a first response, if, if now what works for you as a refocus response after you've made your okay and then you've you know, breathed and relaxed your muscles, uh, now you're ready to refocus, that's great. The, the important thing though is not to not to wholesale just take what I or any other coach offers as a suggestion. These are ideas. Um, you need to, as a player, um, really understand what you do. What's your 
typical response when you win a point? What's your typical response when you lose a point? Spend a week of jotting down, and I actually have players make them do this. So I'll suggest that they do this. I don't make them. Um, I suggest they do this. Write down or record a week's worth of matches, practices, you know, practice matches, how you respond when a point ends, physically and mentally. What's going on? And once you understand yourself, now you're in a way better position to give yourself cue words like okay, like now what, that work for you. Because it's got to be personal. It's got to be something that you can rehearse, rehearse, rehearse in practice so that it's automatic in matches under pressure and that speaks to you. Um, if okay and now what don't speak to you, then you find other words, brief a word or two or three phrase, word phrase that does the same thing. So the, the idea is, is great because it's, it's a cue. Now what is a cue to get back to leave the past behind and we're focusing on this point we're going to play right now. That's what matters. All that matters is right now. Player who I've played uh, against in several uh, tournament settings. Uh, she's a player from uh, a little bit north from where I'm in, well, a lot north from where I'm in Florida. But she has a routine between every time she serves. And I know serve routine is a kind of a subset of, of kind of focusing, right? But she she has a serve routine that's pretty unique. It uh, She steps, she's probably about three foot behind the baseline. She opens her arms up really wide. And then, I mean, really wide, all the way back. And then brings them together steps forward and serves. And it's it's a very uh, unique technique by her, um, but it goes to kind of what you're saying, which is that's what works for her. That would not work for me. I'm a, in tournament settings, I'm a two bounce player, like, you know, from tennis. So I, I bounce my pickleball a couple of times, get myself set. I understand in tournaments, I, I'm not trying to milk the, the clock or anything, but I understand in tournaments, I have 10 seconds to serve. So I bounce the ball a couple of times, get myself set. I look across, pick my my serve spot, and I execute my serve, and that's my routine. But right, so everybody kind of has to develop their own technique. I think the, the the key takeaway, if I if I and correct me, if I don't summarize it correctly, coach. But the key takeaway here is you need to find a technique that allows you to to basically pull, you know, to 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 climb out like a ladder, basically climb out of the hole you put yourself into mentally. Even if you don't get all the way up to the first floor, the second floor of the building you want to get to, at least get to the ground floor. Uh, to where you're even back to neutral uh, and can hopefully from there either stay neutral or move up, uh, you know, up the ladder more if you want to. But uh, but certainly you don't want to stay down, you know, down in a hole uh, during the next points, rallies and, and just mentally, it's just not good for you. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball. But how? Now it's easy. Pick up a copy of Play Pickleball, A Beginner's Guide. It's the most complete guide to playing pickleball. Available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at Amazon. Let's keep growing the sport. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And, you know, as you point out in mentioning the number of seconds, um, it has to be quick. I mean, you, you don't have time in between points uh, to give yourself a, a lengthy pep talk. You know, it, it's got to be really quick and it's got to be repeatable. It can't be, you know, something that you make up on on the spot in between points. Now, when you're playing a point, um, you know, uh, our sports are open skill sports. They're not closed skill, 
right? In bowling, if you hit the diamonds on the lane, chances are pretty good you're going to knock the pins down. Um, tennis and pickleball are not like that. They're open skill, unpredictable, uh, lots of things, you know, happening, you know, that, that shouldn't happen <laughs> mathematically. Right. They do. Uh, bad bounces, wind, everything else. I mean, it's just, it, it's great. And that's part of the fun. But that also means it's very much like jazz. I mean, you're improvising all the time inside of a point. But in between points, you don't want to be improvising. That's where you want structure and routine and repeatability and predictability. That's in between points is the part that you can control. You can't control what goes on in the point. You can influence what goes on in the point. You can't control it. In between points, you can control that. So control it. Focus on what you can control. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to uh, take a quick digression on, not digression, but I would suggest, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of uh, timeouts, use of timeouts in tournaments. And I would mm -hmm. suggest that the air, you know, when you or your partner, because yeah, it might not be you, it could be your partner, are in one of those holes and just can't seem to you know, get up the ladder. The ladder has grease on it or something. Um, I've taken timeouts in tournaments when the score is like 2-1 in a game um, because things aren't good. You know, things are, whether it's, you know, it's one instance, my partner and I had we miscommunicated on a move and there was tension on our side. You could feel the tension. And so mm -hmm. I just called a timeout because I, there's no reason to play like that. And so that buys us a minute to, you know, hopefully, you know, take some breaths and relax and then get back on the court again. So, uh, you know, I think timeouts in, in tournament settings, timeouts are just such a valuable tool, uh, not just, you know, the, the traditional is I lost four points. I got to call a timeout like it's like a rule. To me, it's more of a, you know, are you not feeling, you, do you, I mean, are you feeling super negative right now? Just call a timeout. Give yourself yeah. some more time to hopefully, you know, the now what, the okay, you pull out, uh, uh, you pull out a, a, a list. I know uh, we talked about this earlier, Coach, where, you know, uh, like your, your book has a table of contents and uh, there's players who use that table of contents to just have it available so that they can, you know, not they don't have time to read the book. Right. But they have time to look at maybe a couple of highlighted sections and there's the headings and go, yeah, I remember now I'm supposed to be in the moment or I'm supposed, you know, I'm supposed to honor the game. Right. This is not about the shot I missed or the, the overhead mm -hmm. that I just, you know, blew into the fence. Um, you know, it's not about that. It's about honoring the game. It's about humility and things like that. So it really helps them refocus and hopefully get back to the ground, ground floor. So. Yeah. And you know, there's, you know, there's different, um, there's a, it's a real skill to call timeout at the right time. And it, and it's a real skill to know how to use the timeout. Um, in, in tennis, other than a medical timeout, we don't, we don't really have um, the same thing as pickleball does for a strategic timeout like that. I mean, we have changeovers and, you know, time in between sets. Um, but in, uh, in my coaching uh, on odd games, I, you know, will often... And sometimes very early in a match, like you just alluded to, calling a timeout at 2-1, um, very early in a match, I'll call players over to the fence and have a little chat. Um, and sometimes we talk strategy, um, rarely talk technique, because that's not usually helpful during a match. That just adds pressure to them. Um, but sometimes uh, we just talk about nothing in particular other than giving them a chance to relax and remember that 
it's the game that they're playing and it's not about you. Uh, I'll have them look up at the sky and say, look at, look at how beautiful this is. Aren't we lucky to be out here playing this game today? And they're looking at me like, Coach Pete, are you <laughs> you're getting here. This man has lost his mind. <laughs> He's lost his mind. But you know what? They laugh at what a loser I am as a coach because I'm not helping them. And the laughter, you know, relaxes them. Right. And they lose some of the tension. They lose some of the focus on themselves. Um, sometimes they go back out and they win. Sometimes they go back out and they lose. But usually they play looser and better because of that little um, moment. And, you know, you can use your timeouts um, as, a, as a doubles team in pickleball without a coach the same way. I mean, sometimes, you know, if your partner has messed up several shots in a row, they know they did. So the worst thing you can do as a doubles partner is to try and coach them at that moment and tell them what they did technically wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that that just adds pressure. Now, you can talk about strategy. Uh, I think that's easier. But sometimes they just need to get off of themselves and look at the sky, um, smell the ball, feel the ball. I tell them to smell the tennis ball, you yeah. know, feel, feel the pickleball, you know, and get back to something physical, back to your senses um, that gets you back in the here and now, the present. I like you know. that smell of the tennis ball. Funny thing is I, I haven't hit a tennis ball in, in well, I, briefly for five minutes. But other than that, like in three or four years, I haven't hit a tennis ball. But I could still, in my mind, I can remember the smell of a fresh can of tennis balls being opened. And it brings back all sorts of positive memories about my youth and about all. So, yeah, that's a, a really interesting. Uh, it's too bad pickleballs don't have, if they smell, they don't smell good. So that's. <laughs> that's no, they, they, they smell like the court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hands and sweaty paddles and <laughs> yeah, it's too bad we don't have something in pickleball that smells you know that has that kind of like uh, you know smell this smell thing is really interesting i hadn't thought about that and i, I would add one more thing on timeouts that I, that I find effective and i think it, it it goes to what you were saying about you know if you're if you're if you're playing in a, in a tournament right because that's where timeouts uh, uh are relevant you're playing in a tournament and your uh partner is being targeted and just having a tough day you know i think calling calling a timeout how you call the timeout, I think is important. Um, you know, and I'm not saying I've always done this perfectly, but I can think about it perfectly right now. It, you know, what you want to do is, you know, if your partner just missed a ball, uh, if you immediately call timeout and drop your paddle or something like that, then you're basically telling your partner, you know, you're an idiot. Let's take a break. I, yeah, what yeah. I try and do, what I, what I try and do when I'm more in, um, in tune with things is, I'll basically go to my partner and say, listen, I, I need a timeout. I'm, I'm, I need some water. And then it's me who needs a timeout, not them. Right. And even if they kind of understand that I'm doing it because of them, it's not the same thing as, as, as a, being a reaction or a direct uh, response to the, the error they just committed. It's really, I'm taking, it's me. This is me. I'm, I don't feel good. You know, I need a yeah. timeout. And so you just take a timeout. You that's know? great. That's, that's great. I'll play doubles with you. Let's do it. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm in. So that, that's great, Tony. I mean, because that's what you're doing there is honoring, you know, the first rule of doubles is we win as a team, we lose as a team. You know, we got to be there for each other. And, you know, they know that that's why I don't I, I tell our doubles players not to say to each other, I'm sorry, after every time they make a mistake. Um, I know you're sorry. Right, <laughs> you know? right. All that does is just put negative energy out into the air 
for both of us. I know you're sorry. You know, so my job is, hey, okay, partner, we'll get them next time. You know, let's, uh, you know, let's hit to the feet of, you know, that guy close to the net. And, you know, you're, you're, you're moving on to something positive. So I, I think that's great. And, you know, what you, you know, do with taking it on your shoulders, because uh, that makes it about us and not about you, you know, your partner. Um, so the, <laughs> the, the job is to make your doubles partner feel good and look good. Feel good is by things like that, being nice to them, uh, being supportive, uh, being um, positive when they're getting down on themselves. And making them look good is about setting your partner up to hit good shots, right. you know, so they can play play well. It, it isn't about you. Doubles is a team game. It's the doubles is not two people playing singles. <laughs> That's actually a really difficult concept for for uh, particularly players who don't have any uh, background in tennis or, you yes. know, a, a two person sport because. You know, and we deal with it in, in a number of contexts that are outside the scope of, of what we're talking about today. But, you know, even things like, you know, a poach, you know, where people get upset, mm -hmm. like that, that was my ball. And you're like, well, I mean, is that the question or is the question, what was the best shot for the for the team? The other thing I tell people is I yeah. tell people, I'm like, I, we, we tell students all the time and we mean this in a positive way. We I tell them, be selfish. Like, you know, if, if for instance, like cover the middle, right, where you're helping the, the returner you know, returners exposed, right. Then they're having a tough time getting up and you can slide over and, and help protect them. You're really helping yourself because if, if they get in trouble, then you get in trouble, right? So, you know, whenever your partner's in trouble, that means you're in trouble. So why don't you get out of trouble? If you can, you know, if you can help avoid the trouble, do it, you know, even though it's not technically like in your mind, it might not be your shot. It really is your shot is, you know, so the whole team concept is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing. I think sometimes for players to, you know, wrap their arms around and fully embrace. And they end up playing like, this is my side. This is your side. And then, yeah. you know, a ball comes here. I hit it. A ball goes there. You hit it. And then we will add up the, <laughs> what happens later. You know, I'm like, no, that's not how it works. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, it's more like an amoeba. If you remember, you know, mm -hmm. what amoeba looked like from, you know, high school biology. I mean, it's, it's kind of always changing this amorphous shape. And that's how your doubles team should look. If you could actually, draw out your movement uh, it, it's not a static thing where you got this half i got that half i mean <laughs> you're you're constantly organically moving depending on where you hit your ball where they hit their ball and and that's how good doubles is played i think one of the hardest things and this is a mental concept you know it's not just a technical concept one of the hardest things is to be a doubles partner who is not engaged in the, the rally at the moment and to stay focused, right? I mean, you're not the one hitting the ball. Well, the way you stay focused is to keep moving. Right. You focus on your footwork, on something physical, your senses, and that is feeling your feet move in relation to where the ball is going up and back and side to side so that you're engaged. And when that ball does come to you, then you're ready. That's being a good partner, but it takes mental and emotional strength to be just as invested in that rally that you're not putting your paddle on, not yet, as as the partner who's now you know hit ten shots <laughs> across court with with their diagonally opposite opponent. So 
Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like a you know basketball or soccer player moving without the ball. You know, just being involved. Yeah. You know, knowing that you're still part of this this unit that's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, accomplish yeah. an objective during a rally and 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 staying engaged. Absolutely, hundred percent. Coach, let me let me wrap up this uh, this part of the these concepts if I can. I'm, I'm going to give you kind of what I take away, and then please correct anything I say that 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 doesn't uh, make sense or doesn't jive. That the you know if I approach the game with as as something just as stepping on the court as being a victory in of itself because it's it's honorable what I'm doing is honorable if I come at it with some humility and I'm, I'm I have gratitude in my heart or I'm I'm thankful just for the opportunity to be on the court and to and to compete in the game that that in and of itself is a victory and and I think more than not it, it's good I think just in this, in a in a very general sense it's good but I also have to understand that having that that uh that coming at it from that that vantage point or from that angle also will help me uh, as as in terms of my mental uh, calmness, my the peace I have when I play, and also help my results because I'll be a, a better player just by having that kind of approach when I step on the court. Is that a fair summary of of, of where we're at in terms of uh, this part of what we're talking about? Well, I think the interview's over, Tony. I can't say it better than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. more to talk about. There's more to talk about if you have time, but, uh, yeah, but I appreciate I, that. No, seriously. I mean, you you really encapsulated it really well. I, I mean, the, the two, all of the habits that I talk about in, in my book of mental and emotional strengthening are important, but the two that are, I call them non-negotiables, are love the game more than how you perform and lose yourself. Humility allows you to learn. And the, the reason, for, for example, the reason why we choke, okay, is at that moment, we have focused on ourselves and the outcome. And we haven't lost ourself. We haven't been um, loving the game at that moment more than how we perform. We've been focused on ourselves and how we're performing. And that's what the source of choking is. If you're, if you're loving the game and losing yourself and focused in the here and now, and right now, this stroke, making clean contact, flowing, being balanced, guess what? You know, <laughs> you're less likely to choke because you're not thinking about all those things that are out of your control. You're just enjoying the instinctive movement and flow of whatever's happening on the court. You're accepting being in that flow, just like you're surfing a wave. And that's when, you know, that, that's a peak moment of performance out on the court, no matter what the result of that point is. It's a peak moment of experience when you can have that. So, yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do with all these habits. And I, and I want to stress habit. I hope you're able to take some of these tips and concepts that Coach Pete has shared with us during this interview and apply them into your pickleball and also just your personal life as you go through the week and deal with the ups and downs of life that you're able to use some of these tips to help you get through that and obviously when you're on the pickleball court as well next week we'll continue the interview with coach pete some more good information in there we hope you'll join us till then be safe out there